Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. How are we doing? We all right? Before we get stuck into uh, the word this morning, um, first of all, if you're from Sharston, you're very welcome to come and be with us. I appreciate that uh, Sharston is not having a service this morning, so some of you may have joined us. I've seen a few faces that I recognise that usually go to that congregation, so you're extremely welcome to join us this morning. Um, It's great to have you with us. You will be noted as the ones that chose to come to church. Uh, unlike the others who took it as a Sunday off. I'll let Hannah know who you are so you can get gold star next to your name. Um, I wanted to just let you know of some really exciting news, actually, for us as a church. Um, We are hiring, we are looking for some people to come and join us on our team. Now, all of these roles, um, I believe, are part-time roles, um, several days a week, but that... Despite that, this is awesome news, this is great news, and it's really exciting to be able to share this with you. And I, when I, I briefly explain a little bit about these roles and what they are, I want to encourage you to be thinking, one, is this possibly me? If, this, if you're in a time in your life where you may be looking for some work, some part-time work, this could be you. Or two, if it's not you, who could it be? Is there someone that you know that you could maybe point them in the direction of this? Because um, we would love to get some awesome people, and we know that you guys are awesome, and you probably know awesome people, so we would want to encourage you to share that with whoever you feel necessary. So the first one is a central support communications manager. Now, over the past couple of months, we've been looking at uh, what we've been calling our growth path. If you've been with us at Ivy Church, you'll understand a little bit about what that means. And the first D, we remember we looked at five different Ds, and the first D was all about discover. And we asked the question, how do we as church discover them out there? And the second question, how do they out there discover us in here? And actually this role is going to really help us as a church do that. So if that's something that um, you are passionate about or you know someone passionate about who can, uh, is going to help with our social media stuff, is going to help getting our name out there and uh, in the right way to the right people, um, and also allowing them to see what goes on in here, giving them a window into the life of Ivy Church. That's what our um, central support communications manager is going to be responsible for. The second one is launch event assistant. Now, you may have heard of this little thing called launch that uh, we tell you about most weeks. And this is, this is an amazing story, the, the launch story, how it's grown over the last three or four years. And it's grown to a point where we need more work. We need, we've got, there's so much to do that we need more people to help out. Bless her, Emma does such a fantastic job um, at, at organising this. But it's so much for one person. And so this is really exciting to be able to put out a position um, for someone to come and support her in ensuring that launch happens. It happens really well. And this is, I guess, if you looked at the, the growth path, this would be a little bit like the develop. How do we develop our leaders? Launch. How do you develop yourself in whatever sphere you are? Launch. If you've not booked on, there's a little plug. Book on. Yeah? This is going to help us with that. So maybe that's something that um, has uh, triggered someone in your memory. And the third one is the Cheadle Hume project. 
This is so exciting. It's so exciting. I get excited every time I, I either hear an update about Cheadle Hume or we talk about Cheadle Hume, and the possibilities are really endless there, not just for, for us, how we do church, but how we impact a community, how we get to go out and we like smack bang in the middle of a community and how we get to really um, invest in them and show them the love of Jesus through who we are, through how we act, through what we say. And this person's role will really help us do that, will help us do that really well, coordinating, understanding um, how best to, that we, we go forward with Cheadle Hume whatever projects are going to happen, whatever activities are going to happen from there. Maybe that's something that um, you yourself would like to know more about. And if you want to know more about any of these things, then the instruction is to email the office. Email info at ivychurch.org and they will happily send you more information about all three or about whichever one that you're interested in or who you might want to pass it on to. So please can I encourage you to think about that, pray about that um, and let people know and let people know about it because we are really excited here at Ivy Church that we are hiring because good and healthy things grow, don't they? And we're growing, which is exciting. And God's doing some amazing things through the life of this church. Okay, enough about what's going on. Let's get stuck into um, today's message. So uh, as I I shared in the first service, um, I wondered how I could start um, this morning. And we're, we're going into a new series this morning, um, as, you're gonna, as you've already seen. Hopefully you've already seen on social media or in the newsletter if you get that on a Saturday morning. And as I was stood at the front um, in the first service, in the first part of worship, these words came into my head and I thought, you know what, actually that's going to work really well. So that how I'm going to start the service is with these words. Walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, because you'll never walk alone. Does it ring a bell for anyone? Yeah? Come on. Big smiles in my house last night. But as much as that is um, a nice little way to input uh, what happened last night into this morning's service, these words actually are, are so poignant for today. They, they mean something. You know? Actually, if we think about that, what does that even mean, walk on with, walk on with hope in your heart? It's like, we sing that song, as if you're a Liverpool fan, you, you sing that song, but like, do we actually do that? Do we actually believe that? That's, for me, that's a real biblical message, that I can walk on with hope in my heart, and the fact that I will never be alone. Yeah. And we're going to be looking at that in this series called Hidden Hope. We're looking at Old Testament stories of how there are glimpses and um, pictures of Jesus throughout the whole of the Old Testament, uh, and the reason why we have hope. I guess if I was to ask you the question, have any of you experienced any um, discouragement in your life? Any heartbreak in your life? Yeah? I'm sure all of us have experienced something like that. We've experienced battles. We all need hope, do we not? Yes. We all need hope. Not just us in here, but everyone needs hope. And, and even in the first six months of 2019... I can see that God has been all over this year of hope for us as a church. Not only because there are so many things in which we're crying out for for hope in, that we are trusting and hoping in God that we will see him answer prayer, but he's already started to do it. He's already started to do it, and there's testimony after testimony of how what what was someone's hope, we've seen fulfilment in that. And it's been a real joy and a real blessing, but I am fully, fully aware that there's so much more 
out there that we're crying for, that we're longing for, that we're praying for, that actually in some certain circumstances, maybe the hope is gone. And I want to try and encourage us this morning that there's still hope. We can still have hope this morning. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, then we've got to hold on to this hope. It's a thing that fuels us, that gets us through the day to day. Why? Because, because I believe, and hopefully you believe if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that hope is present. That hope is a real thing. It's not just a, a, a toss away comment, but it's real. And that actually it comes in a person, it comes in a name, just as we've been singing, the name of Jesus. He's the reason why we have hope. And as I said, we're in a series called Hidden Hope. And we're going to be looking at the Old Testament and uh, looking, at, looking at Jesus. And you might think, oh, that's a bit confused because he's in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. But the reason why we're doing that is because actually when we understand the Old Testament, when we really get to grips with the Old Testament, we're going to understand a whole lot more who Jesus was and why he came. The, the, other, the other day, this past week, um, I've had some plasterers in, or a plaster in, to come and do some work on our house. Um, if you've ever had any electrician work, you may know that they like to rip your walls apart and then just leave you with the mess. So I then had to get someone in to come and fix all the holes in my wall. Um, so we, the plasterer comes and I tell him all the jobs he needs to do, and Lucy and I, we pop out for, the, for a few hours and we get back, and it's around lunchtime when we get back. And we go to, to make some lunch. Lucy goes to make some lunch, and she, she goes to the oven, and the oven's not on. So it's not working. So she goes to the microwave. The microwave's not showing that it's working. The fridge isn't working. The freezer's not working. It's like, our fridge and freezer are full of food, so what do we do when, when they're not working? We're just thinking, I'm going to have the greatest lunch ever at the moment, although I'm not going to be able to cook anything, so it's not going to be the greatest lunch ever. Um, and... The, all the electricity had gone to our kitchen. I then tried the upstairs lights. They weren't working. Sockets, they weren't working. Basically, our kitchen, upstairs lights, our central heating, all of that had been knocked off. And there was no way of me trying to fix it. I was on the phone to an electrician friend that I know, and he was lying on his couch trying to tell me what to do. The plaster was saying, are you a trained electrician? I was like, no, but it's going to cost me 100 quid to get someone out to tamper with it, so at least I can tamper with it. Um, and then hopefully it'll work. But the reason why I'm telling you that is because eventually when it did all get sorted, when it did get fixed, it's like, I appreciate electricity a little bit more now. <laughs> Do we not get that? You know, you don't appreciate something until you don't have it. You don't understand how much the value of it or how much you use it and uh, what it means to you and the importance of it until you don't have it. We don't understand the, the solution. Sometimes we can't understand the solution to something unless we understand the problem. And we just take things for granted. In order to understand who Jesus really was, what he came to do and who he came to save, we need to understand the Old Testament. And so we're going to be looking through that in this series. We're going to... Um, be reading this morning from Genesis 3. So if you've got a Bible and you like to read from your Bibles, then please open them up or turn them on. The words should hopefully uh, come on the screen. And just to give a little bit of a precursor to this, what the context of it. So, so God has made the earth. He has spoken it into being. He has created life. And everything is perfect. Everything is good. Everything is shiny and brand new. Everything is how it is supposed to be. 
and God was in the garden walking face to face in close proximity with Adam and Eve. And then we get to chapter three and it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now we often apply the image of a serpent with the devil, with, with Satan, with the enemy. This is who this is, who, who it's referring to here. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And it's in this very moment, in the biting of the apple, that we see sin enters the world. And it is the biting of the apple in some respects. But it's actually before that. It's before that because they believed the lie that the serpent gave them. They believed the lie. See, that's what the devil tries to do. He tries to twist God's truth. And he tries to make you believe a lie. You know, sometimes we call him the master of lies, don't we? See, he's made them believe the lie rather than the truth that God speaks. See, that is the root of our sin, is when we believe the lies. The fact that we, we think, actually, do you know what? My way is better than his way. See, that's the lie. I'm believing and therefore I'm choosing to act on it and follow it out. We see in this very moment that sin enters because they believed the lie. It then goes on to say, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, they were ashamed. They were ashamed. So they wanted to hide, go hide behind a tree. You see, the result of sin is to, for us to feel shame, is for us to feel guilt. And we know that that's not what God wants for us. He's not a God who shames us. He's not a God who forces guilt upon us. You see, that's what the lies do. That's what the serpent wants us to feel. A sense of unworthiness, unloved. A sense to, to, that when people have spoken, maybe God's spoken a word over your life, the enemy comes in to say, do you know what, that wasn't God. Not really you. God doesn't want you to be doing that. Surely not. And we start to believe them. We start to let the lies of the devil impact how we live. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Isn't that a beautiful thing? The Lord, the Lord God calls out to them the first thing. The first thing we read after what has happened when they're hiding in their shame and their guilt, what does God do? He calls out, where are you? You see, he's searching. He's, he could have quite easily just, I'm done with it. You know, I made you good and, and perfect and then you've gone against and you think you can do it better on your own. He could have quite easily done that, but no. His posture for us in our brokenness is to pursue us. Where are you? 
That's such a beautiful picture. He, um, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So many times in my life I get deceived. I believe the lie and I eat, thinking that it's going to bring fulfillment to my life, only to know that in a moment's time that fulfillment is no longer there. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, this passage here accounts for the darkest moment in human history, is it not? Is this not the darkest moment when sin enters into what was a perfect world? And in comes conflict, jealousy, selfishness, pain. You see, all that God had designed, all that God had made for good was now broken, was now lost. It's like when you, you um, probably not you, but if you're clumsy like me, you may drop a glass And it shatters into a thousand pieces. And you're like, how am I ever going to make that right again? I can't. I can't on my own, but I know someone who can. But see, even in the darkest moment of human history, even in this moment when sin has entered into the world, we see that God is at work. We see that God has a plan. We see that God is the loving God who who we sing about, who we proclaim about, because he is pursuing after his children. Where are you? We know that there is hope. And we're going to look particularly at verse 15. There is hope, because he says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There's a plan. He knows what's going to happen. The fact that victory is on the way. It's like he's saying to Satan, do you know what? Your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Yes, you're going to wound him, but he's going to destroy you. Yes, you're going to strike his heel, but he is going to crush you. You see, there's a second Adam that's coming the descendant of Adam and Eve, is that the Bible calls, um, calls him many names, but we, we can read him as the son of man. And he comes to undo everything that was done in the garden. Yeah. He comes to restore everything that needs restoration. He comes to fix everything that was broken. I don't know if you've seen the, the Narnia films. And there's... If you haven't, there's uh, the, the ice queen. She basically turns everything into winter. And it's like there's no hope for people. They're longing for, for summer. They're longing for spring. There's no hope. Where is the hope for them? And then there's this quote. I can't quite remember who says it. It says this. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. 
At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. That's for us. That's for us. When Jesus comes, we will have light in the darkness. We will have hope restored. Just for them when they will see spring again and then into summer, we too know that there is a hope that we can long for, that we can see coming. You see, God from the very beginning gives us hope. He gives us hope, even in the darkness, even in the destruction, even in the, the shame of, and guilt of our sin, we can still hold on to hope. And he lets Satan know from the very start his place. He knows that, he says, you're not going to win because the victory is mine. And you're never going to win because the victory is mine. And we get to stand in that place this morning. We get to stand in the place of victory this morning. We see that God had a plan and that he's given us hope because we see the glimpse of Jesus. Now if we jump into the New Testament, um, into Matthew 4, we, we get to the, a place where Jesus is in the wilderness where he's fasting and praying. He's fasting and praying for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now I don't know if you've ever done that before. <laughs> I've fasted and prayed for a day, and after that, I am hungry. Jesus would have been hungry, would he not? He would have been hungry. He would have been weak. He would have been exhausted. And the devil comes to him, and he tempts him. And what does he tempt him with? He tempts him with food, the thing that he's, uh, he's been starving himself from. If you're the son of God, you can turn those stones into bread. See, he comes and he questions the truth of God. He tries to fool him with a lie. He tries to trick him. And for me, this is like a mirror image of what we see in the garden. Yet where, where man failed and believed the lie and took the apple, Jesus succeeds and he responds to the enemy with scripture. Knowing the truth and declaring the truth of God's word at the enemy. And then we jump to the cross. And what we see at the cross is this man called Jesus who had come and people had hailed the Messiah. He was the one who was going to save them. He was the one who was going to bring freedom. He was the one who was going to bring hope. Everyone had pinned their hope on him. Well, not everyone, but his followers had for God's people, for him to come and bring freedom to God's people. And what do we see on Good Friday? He is beaten. He is stripped. He is whipped. He is paraded through the streets like a piece of dirt. He's made to suffer the most painful death ever imaginable. And on that Friday, it's like, for us as Christians, we can, we can listen to that and we can take that because we know what happens in three days' time. Yeah? We know that actually the end of the story is going to be okay. We've got that vantage point. But what if you didn't know what was going to happen in three days' time? What if you were there? Or what if you're someone out there who doesn't know that Jesus has risen again 
and is the hope of the world? What if your, your story stops for you on Good Friday? Everything you put your hope in, your, your trust in, is no more, has been beaten. It's disappointment, it's a sense of hopelessness. And that's, that's I think, how people feel when they don't know Jesus. That's what they're living in. And there's millions of people, even right on our doorstep, who are living in that state of hopelessness because they don't know Jesus. And as we've been looking at in our growth path over the last few months, is that God wants us to be a part of that solution. Yes, Jesus is the solution to their hopelessness. Jesus is the solution to their darkness. But he chooses to include us in that. He chooses to use us and place us into situations, into relationships to speak life, to speak truth, to not let the, the, the lies of the devil overcome, but to bring light. But of course, we do know the ending. We do know that in three days' time after Good Friday, he rises again and he defeats death and God is faithful to his promise. This is the good news that we get to share. And in that moment, as he does that, Jesus takes all our sin, he takes all our brokenness, all that has been and all that will be. He takes all our pain, all our sickness, and he leaves it in the grave because he has defeated it, because he has defeated the devil. Jesus has won And that's a great message, is it not? It's a great message. That's why we're all here, if we believe that. That's why we live our lives and we proclaim, we sing praises to God because we believe that what happened at Easter is true. The fact that Jesus died and he rose again for our sins, for my sins and for your sins. The fact that he made a way so that I could have freedom, that I could spend eternity with him. And it means that I've got hope in my life. But that's quite hard when life's hard. You see, when everything's going great, when everything's going well, when, when my job and when flying in my job, when my relationships are on point, when you know, I'm, I'm doing well in life, it's easy for me to proclaim and to, to praise the name of Jesus. What about when life's hard? What about when you get the diagnosis that you don't want? What about when that relationship breaks? What about when the job that you dreamed of get stripped away from you. How can we have hope in those situations? How can we stand here and proclaim the name of Jesus when, when actually life around us seems to be falling apart? And that's where I want us to almost focus on a little bit today because I believe we can have hope in that. And we will have hope in that. We can have the faith to have hope in Jesus who came to earth, who suffered as a man as Stephen said, has gone through what we've gone through, he can relate to that and we can have hope in him. God says that all who trust in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. But for the meantime, we we live in this place where, where restoration is happening, but we've not seen the fullness of it. We're in that transition of being restored, restored to full glory, and we will see that when we see him in heaven. But we're in that process. How do we live in hope in this time where we're still in the brokenness? 
We're still in the brokenness. And as, as we said last week in our community Sunday, we shared about the three circles. And people who, who live in a world of brokenness, they can pin their hopes on so many things, on their, on their career, on their relationships, on money, whatever it is. And for a time, that might fulfill their need. But guaranteed after a while, it will suck them straight back into a life of despair. And they're back to square one. See, in, God, uh, in Acts 3, sorry, 19 to 21, it says this. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus the Messiah. We're waiting for him to come again. We're waiting for that point, aren't we? For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago. See, full restoration is on its way. That excites me, that full restoration is on its way, that I'm going to be made fully as God intended. No sin, no darkness, no shame, no guilt, no brokenness or pain. See, Jesus is in the business of restoration. He's doing it bit by bit until the day that he comes and restores everything to its full intention. And that is why we can have hope, because we know that there's a day that's coming. Can I invite the band up, please? That'd be great. We've been banding around this word hope for many months now, six months, well, five months, since the 2019 Ivy's Year of Hope. And even now, even, even in June, I am seeing how... God dropped that word into Anthony's heart for this year. How this is such a significant word for us as a church this year because there are so many situations and people that are wanting hope, uh, are hoping for something to happen. And, and by the grace of God, we have seen so many breakthroughs already. But we're crying out for more. And I know that there are people in our congregation, people in our church, who I feel are in that dark place who are in the place of, how do I have hope in this? How do I do that? How do I, how do I even wake up tomorrow? Because my prayer's not been answered. And for them, maybe it's actually quite hard for even to talk about hope. But when we say the word hope, when I'm saying it to you now, it's not some flimsy thing. It's not some bit of optimism. Oh, well, I hope that happens. Sort of just banded around here and there that we often hear. And in some ways, it's not the corny phrase of the best is yet to come. Even though it is, we often use that, don't we? Oh, the best is yet to come. Keep going, the best is yet to come. But when we say hope, what I mean by that is that there's the grounded expectation that God's character is going to bring his goodness to us and use us in his mission and it's threefold, threefold thing for our hope. Number one is that the bad things will somehow work out for good. That Jesus will take the rubble of our lives and make them into something beautiful. That's the hope that I'm holding on to. That the rubbish in my life, God's going to restore and make beautiful. Number two, that the good things can't be taken away. What Jesus did on the cross can't be taken away. My salvation can't be taken away. His promises over me can't be taken away. Do you know what? Your people will debate the truth of the Bible. And you can get into that if you want to. 
But the one thing that they can't debate, the one thing that they can't take away from you, is your story. Is your testimony of how God has changed your life, if he has. If you've allowed him to come into your life, no one can take that away from you. And number three, the best things are yet to come. Yes, they are. Because one day, as a Christ follower, we get to sit in heaven with our heavenly Father, where there is no more darkness and pain and suffering. And that is the hope that we are holding on to. Can I invite you to stand if you're able? And although we're waiting for the full restoration of what life is, we can still have hope today. We can still have hope today. But by way of response, as I said just before, how I feel that there are people in our congregation, in our church, that for this, for them is hard. And I really felt that in, in preparing this for this week, that as a church is our duty as brothers and sisters in Christ for us to stand alongside those who are feeling hopeless right now, who feel like everything around them has fallen apart. It's for us to remind them that there is still hope and for us to never give up on that. It's for us to get around them and to pray for them and to support them, to say, do you know what? the best days are still to come and that the rubbish in your life can be turned into good because that's the truth and that no matter what the evil one doesn't win he doesn't win we get to stand in the place of victory because we know the victor we have the hope of Jesus in our lives so the band are going to lead us in some worship. But I would love it as a, as a way of response to this. Maybe this is for yourself. Maybe you're feeling this is me. But I would love for us in twos or threes or whoever you came with. Let's be praying for our church family for this. Not for this flimsy hope. But this, for this robust hope. The hope that knows that God is God and that he is good. There may be friends of yours, there may be family, it may be someone in this church or maybe somebody else. But I would love for us as church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be praying for our church family, just as, just as Moses needed people to hold up his arms. We too need to hold up each other's arms. We too need to stand in the gap for those that are struggling. So can we do that? Just in twos or threes? Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for those that are in need. And let's praise God in all of this. The fact that he's given us a hope. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.